0: Hello. Tonight, I'm thinking about stormy weather, but not in the way that anybody might be considering it. We had a pretty awesome thunderstorm today, and I was, well, kind of mesmerized. I love the rocking and rolling, the rumbling and tumbling, the flashes and the cool air that follows. Now, granted, it didn't stay cool, unfortunately, but still, while its performance was on, it was a delightful thing. It brings change. And that's what's going to happen. I did a little number crunching today. Oh, by the way, um, I apologize to Mad Marv. I'm probably going to break the five minute limit on this one because I have a little explanation to, uh, to, to go. I did a little number crunching today and a little reflection on what has been done so far. And when I put the numbers together, something interesting happened. There are 16 other participants in the dog days of podcasting, and there are 16 days left. Well, sort of. There's 17. It's always one of those math problems that I get wrong, because technically there's, you know, 16 plus 14 is 30, but today's the 14th, which means it's actually 17, including this one, but it's really 16. Anyway, so what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to try this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. (laughs) <laughs> That's the nature of the experimentation of podcasting, which is what we're actually doing here. I am going to dedicate each of the remaining episodes to one of the other participants and see what comes into my brain. I was hunting about around for a word, and in my brain, which has a whole lot of words in it, The word metanoia came, and I thought, what the hell does this mean? Because I really didn't know. So the quick look up, uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, a transformative change of heart, especially a spiritual conversion. Holy crap, that's kind of right. But looking into it a little closer in the Wikipedia entry, let me quote one paragraph. In classical Greek, metanoia meant changing one's mind about someone or something. When personified, metanoia was depicted as a shadowy goddess, cloaked and sorrowful, who accompanied Kairos, the god of opportunity, sawing regret and inspiring repentance for the missed moment. This conventional portrayal continued through the Renaissance. The elements of repentance, regret, reflection, and transformation are always present in the concept of metanoia to some degree. And I thought, holy crap, it's weirder than I thought. I like it. I like serendipity. I like odd opportunities to transform things, to reflect perhaps about the missed moment that I didn't produce that thing and go, (laughs) I can transform it. I can convert it. I can take it in through my heart and spirit and out through my mouth to produce something new. So, not all of them are going to be necessarily all that fanciful conversions. I don't even know what half of them are going to be. I don't even know what any of them are going to be, but I know what this one is going to be. By the way, by allowing myself 17, it allows me to say, did I forget somebody? Or to just do something different at the end. I don't know. We shall see. I just listened to... Our founder's presentation, Craig Stepp, from yesterday, where he said, I'm going to choose random questions. He had seven random questions he had, he had decided to answer. And one of them, well, actually, there's probably more than one that struck me, but the one that struck me the most is the one I'm going to reflect on right now. What is your favorite movie soundtrack? And I will begin by saying I cannot answer this question. I have no singular favorites of anything, really. Favorites come in multiple dimensions. Also, however, I am going to follow Craig's uh, lead, his rule, and I'm just going to set John Williams aside as a whole category onto itself, this whole crapload of John Williams soundtracks I love. So yeah, we're just going to put him aside, which is kind of unfair to John Williams, but actually it kind of gives him an honorary spot no matter what else I choose. Here are the ones that came to mind. I did a little spinning through my phone just to see the ones I had on my phone. And after I went through the 150 or so that were there, I broke it down to a few, such as, uh, I don't remember how to pronounce his name. I think it's, I meant to look this up. Keelar is his last name. Uh Wolchik? something like wuchik wuchik Keelar, something like that. Two soundtracks from him came to mind, Bram Stoker's Dracula an incredible soundtrack. One which he kind of ripped off for another movie. He 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 actually ripped off his own theme to produce for another vampire movie, but he was probably paid well, so I don't care. And then when I was looking this up I realized he did another of my favorite soundtracks, The Ninth Gate. A very under uh, appreciated movie, I think, that uh, has this delightful weird building soundtrack based off of a book I've talked about this long time ago. Uh, based off of, um, I forget the name of the book. I have it somewhere, probably in front of me, but I have also several hundred books in front of me. I think it's something like The, the Fencing Master, I forget, or something Dumas, The Dumas Club. The Dumas Club is the featured club in there that only gets a little bit of mention in the movie. I watched the movie first, bought the soundtrack second, got the book third, loved all three. But I don't want to get dragged down. Let's continue. Goblin. Their Suspiria soundtrack, the original Suspiria, has a soundtrack by Goblin, who did several other movies, but I think they never really achieved the same level as they did in Suspiria. Tangerine Dream, I could nominate for Babylon 5 alone, but I'm not going to, because really that was Christopher Frank on his own, not really the whole of Tangerine Dream. But I will throw them in here for the soundtrack to The Keep, which is... Tremendous! If you've not seen the Keep, really weird, wonderful horror movie. I guess you're going to call it horror. Probably call it horror. Uh, the Keep soundtrack. Never really found an official copy of that one. Found an unofficial copy, basically ripped from the movie. Uh, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein make it on my list for Stranger Things. That soundtrack is incredibly evocative. I, I haven't uh, got this on my list. I just realized I should also include Tales from the Loop, but I don't own that soundtrack yet. That is a Philip Glass co- uh, um, co-production. I had to include Mark Snow for The X-Files. Some incredibly iconic music there, achieving a John w- Williams level of iconic with just a few notes. I haven't really heard a lot of other things from him. I do have a few other soundtracks by him. Uh, who did I skip over? Oh, yes, the master of horror himself who loves to do his own soundtracks. John Carpenter. Of all of John Carpenter's soundtracks, I'm going to pick Prince of Darkness. Die Fürsten der Dunkelheit. I had to track down a German copy of the soundtrack in order to finally get it. This was way back before you could just buy stuff online. I bought it from, I think, eBay Germany or something like that. But there are three soundtracks I'm going to list as my top three of this crazy list. One of them you're probably never going to heard of, one you might have heard of, and one you've probably heard of, but maybe you haven't listened to the soundtrack recently. I'll start with that one. Michael Andrews' soundtrack to Donnie Darko. I listen to the soundtrack probably at least once a month. Love, love, love this soundtrack. The Eric D. Anderson score, film score, that he did for the originally silent black-and-white film Der Golem. Uh, incredibly moody. Uh, I've, I've once, only once, have I actually watched the movie while playing this soundtrack in the background. Most of the time, I just listen to the soundtrack on its own. And finally, this is going to be the wild card. And this is one of the few soundtracks. I don't have a lot of soundtracks which are really songs in the movie. Uh, I do have a few. Uh, notably, they're not swapped onto my phone right now, so I forgot them. Which is uh, Moulin Rouge, for example, has two excellent soundtracks. The cover of Roxanne is mind blowing. I have a few other musicals. I guess they'd be musicals. That would be the way I would describe those ones. And this is definitely a musical. I'm not really a huge musical guy, partially because I didn't really get to introduce them at a young age. And I've, I only, and I think for a long time, I had sort of culturally absorbed disdain for musicals, which is a terrible, terrible shame. You shouldn't have that sort of cultural disdain for any sort of cultural product. It's kind of dumb. And if you find yourself with one, or if you find yourself giving one to someone, just stop. Just stop. The soundtrack, this soundtrack, I go back to every once in a while. I have to hear it. And I listen to the whole damn soundtrack. There's something so incredible uh about the, the uh, I don't know. It reminds me of the movie, yes, and the movie I do enjoy, uh, but it's it's great on its own. I'm just looking up quickly here, the particular composer, because I always forget... Uh, the soundtrack, Paul Williams. So, Paul Williams, you may remember, uh, you may remember from such films as Smokey and the Bandit. I believe it's Paul Williams in Smoky and the Bandit. Uh, he is, I think, he's junior. I don't even remember what his character was. He is a composer. He's done a lot of really things. He's he's one of the people who's also behind all the scenes in a lot of movies. But he's actually in Phantom of the Paradise which is the movie that I'm, I'm going to celebrate right now. Phantom of the Paradise is a retelling of Phantom of the Opera in a modern, eh, it was the 70s or 80s. I, I'm not really sure when that was actually. Let me see if I can find it here. 1974, so it's as old as I am. Uh, retelling kind of a phantom of the opera. And I don't know why this particular film drives me insane or I don't know why I need to listen. There's a, a couple, they can sound very cheesy. If you just listen to the soundtrack, you'd never, I think, get it, but watch the movie. And once you've watched the movie and see the emotion in the movie, I think that you can take away those, those, uh, those songs. And there's just this. There's a character called Winslow, who's the main character. He's kind of the phantom. And there's something about the lament that he sings and the repeated lament that gets transformed. Everything about this movie is about a, 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 a young music producer, young singer, and how their their careers are corrupted by uh you know an evil producer, essentially evil um Executive, essentially. And it's, it's really quite, I don't know. I find it really fascinating. The songs, like I said, I have to go back to this song, this album, and I will, I just feel that urge. It's like a, a bolt from the sky. It's like, it's like lightning striking and and then sending me on my way. And I gotta listen to the whole soundtrack entirely. And I do. Now I think I gotta do it again. Doggone it's already late. Well, okay, maybe you do as well. I don't know. This is the beginning of, well, a metanoia-style podcast or, apologies, Joe, I got to call it metapodtastic. <laughs> this is going to be weird. I have been wandering out loud in this metapodtastic way. I mark the encaffeinated one. I may be other people for the rest of the month because I'm going to be all of you. This is going to get weird. <laughs> Listen to dogdaysofpodcasting.com. If you have not listened to all other 16 participants, I believe there's 16. Some of you, I don't know how to interpret. This is going to be uh, strange. If you have suggestions from any of the others about how I'm going to interpret what you do, I'd love to hear that. Encaffeinator.ca <sighs> for my normal, uh, stuff. Nothing about what I do is normal. So that's kind of a lame comment. And yes, I will end it there, and we will see where this goes.